This is the Race Hubs Pit Report Podcast with Brad Huber and Chris Wilner. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Racing Hubs Pit Report. I'm Brad Huber here in Indianapolis where it is uh, cloudy, cooling off, and rain and wind, and a lot of it is about to come through here. So uh, it's going to get quite cold and raw here in the next couple of days. Chris Wilner down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, hopefully the weather is better down there and you had a good weekend off before you head out west uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it's been misting, not quite rain. It's been misting, though, and it's probably been the coldest it's been in the entire summer of 72 degrees. So not bad. Uh, it feels freezing, which is why I have a hoodie on. But it's it's not bad. But, no, it's just a quick brief shower, which is kind of ruining some of my midweek racing plans as far as mid Millbridge is going. They rained out today, and I think they're going to rain out tomorrow. But, uh, but that's all right. But, yeah, other than that, everything's good, just house hunting and – trying to you know get through the rest of this season there's not much left for me as far as kind of the home stretch so just trying to make the most of what i got as you also mentioned charlotte is the home of the better football team between the two right now yeah no Carolina kidding panthers. i thought i was gonna you know rub people's face in it that the colts are better than the panthers but it looks like that's the other way around i've been getting shit on all week from folks down here being like oh you know we're two and oh we're going to the super bowl i said all right well, <laughs> Everybody in Charlotte's acting like we're going to the Super Bowl. So let's take a chill pill, and I'm sure reality will strike here week three. But so far, yeah, it's been exciting, especially living down here in Uptown, just seeing all the Panthers fans. So And better quarterback situation than uh, what we have here right yeah. now. But uh, that's for another show. That's for a football podcast to talk about. Uh, a lot going on in the racing world. We'll have Eric Smith from Race Review Online with us a little bit later to talk about Silly season for IndyCar, NASCAR, also the schedules that came out for both series over the last week or so. So we'll talk to him about all of that and the championship battle for IndyCars. They head to the final race of the year coming up in Long Beach on Sunday afternoon and a 24-year-old Alex Pillow on the verge of, in his sophomore season of winning his first IndyCar Series championship. Yeah, it's been a story, obviously, that's developed over the course of the year. But I think, you know, as as far as my perspective, I kind of had my eye on him a little bit coming up through the ranks, but I didn't expect him to perform this well this quick. So to be in a championship hunt there at the end going into Long Beach, I think just says a lot about, you know, his progression as a driver maturity. I mean, sure, he's got good equipment, but at the same time, you have to have your mental state be at that level of a championship performer. And I don't think the pressure's gotten to him. Obviously he's performed over the last several races. You know, once you start talking about being in the championship hunt, uh, granted, you can't let your foot off the gas, you know, cause Pato's right there. And obviously Dixie's is still in the mix as well. So, I mean, it's, it'll be really fun. Again, you know, we talk about this week in week out IndyCar couldn't have scripted this better for 2021 as far as, a welcoming of new talent and then quickly getting them as household names, you know, as far as vying for a championship. So um, bummed that I'm flying out of LA the day of the IndyCar race. Uh, I tried to convince them to let me stay, but uh, you know, when people book your travel, you really can't mm -hmm. argue with them. So unfortunately I won't get to see it, but I'll get to see uh, qualifying and some practice for the IndyCars out there. So I'll be cool. And I talked to Alex Pillow after the Grand Prix of Indianapolis when he finished third, back in May and I was really impressed by his poise and his uh, maturity level as a 24 year old. And 
willingness to learn from guys like Scott Dixon, Dario Franchitti, Tony Kanaan, Chip Canassi, and others. And, you know, you talk about he had two really bad races at the road course race at Indianapolis in August and then the week after that at the Worldwide Technology Raceway. So great job of bouncing back for him over the last couple of weeks to getting the points lead back and really putting himself in good position. All he needs is an 11th or better, and he will be the champion no matter what Pato Award or Joseph Newgarden do this weekend. Yeah, and that's, you know, like we talked about with being poised, it's not just on the racetrack, but it's how to respond to adversity. And Some guys crack and crumble on their first year or two just because they kind of let things get in their head. But, you know, he hasn't been able to do that. And obviously, you know, yeah, a couple bad races, but he was able to perform early on in the year and then bounce back, you know, to set himself up, like you mentioned, for a championship. You know, but Joseph Newgard knows how to win championships. Obviously, Pato Award is hungry. He's kind of a little bit more of the aggressive, send it, you know, kind of slider be slid kind of mantra if you're going to make a dirt racing reference. So uh, he can't, definitely can't relax. I know you think 11th or better sounds easy, but you look at what happened, like you mentioned, at Gateway and in, in, at IMS, you know, anything can happen. And Long Beach is super tough. I mean, it's a narrow racetrack on a street circuit. So, again, the road is not meant for racing. It's meant for street cars. So yeah, they, you know, blow off all the dust and they have street sweepers and things like that, but it's still a weathered surface that, you know, is, is not meant for racing. And so when you add in a close confine of two walls, you know, where you could barely go too wide without hitting the wall, I mean, I, one little mistake will ruin your race. So 11th is, is still a tall task uh, for young Alex Polo. So we'll see what happens, but I think his scenario, though, is a lot better than what it could have been where it would have been you had to finish in the top five or higher because I think that yeah. puts a lot of pressure on you. So it'll, uh, it still is a pressure-packed situation, but you know he seems to prove time and time again he doesn't let that get to him. So uh, hopefully he, he pulls it off. It would be really cool to have a rookie uh, champion again. As we get set to say goodbye to 2021 for IndyCar, 2022 schedule came out over the last weekend, and just some notables on the schedule – uh, St. Pete, as we sort of talked about before, is going to be moved up to February the 27th. So the week after the Daytona 500 on the other side of I-4 down at St. Pete versus uh, in Daytona the week before. Iowa, we already knew, will be a double header next summer. Detroit is down to one race. Uh, Toronto, we think, will return on the schedule after being off the last couple of Air years. Cross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last couple years because of the COVID restrictions and the border being shut down. And then Texas, as we sort of talked about before, was moved to March, March the 20th. And there's some speculation. And is that indeed race day and race weekend for the 12 hours of Sebring on the IMSA side on March 20th? On March 20th, I will do a double check as we go through the rest of it. I think it is. Um, IMSA's website sometimes sends me to the 2021 schedule even though i'm trying to find 2022 um and it's kind of blown me off but if we keep going i think it is because usually it's that weekend this weekend it was the 17th i think yeah the 17th so obviously every year it it moves up you know a day or two so if it is indeed the 20th then that'll be sebring um obviously again who does it hurt the most you know obviously imsa but the grand scheme of things, you know, I, I make a big deal about how the IndyCar guys kind of get the enduro experience with the IMSA programs running as a fourth driver. 
if you really think about it, I mean, there's what three guys that maybe will be affected by it. So, and there's plenty more. And obviously, what we'll get to with Eric about the silly season, there will be a host of IndyCar guys that aren't in rides next year. Yeah. So they'll be free and available to hop in IMSA. So that's the other thing with IMSA too. And we saw with Sebastian Bourdais is you know if you are out of a seat in IndyCar, there's there's usually a seat open in IMSA. Not saying that IMSA has a lot of race cars but because they use multiple drivers it gives a falling a cushion to a driver that maybe loses a seat versus nascar where you know if you're out of a seat there it's it's tough to get back you know behind the wheel of something in that series so it'll be interesting but yeah i'm trying to find it i'll, I'll get back to you but yeah if it is the 20th which i'm 99 percent sure it is and that'll be sebring for sure and what could there be any possibility of them moving up to like the 13th because I think it was supposed to be the week after the St. Pete opener, which was supposed to be on March the 13th and it got moved up to February the 27th. So, you know, I don't know if there's any room or any opportunity this far in advance to move Sebring up a week, perhaps to the 13th. Now that IndyCar won't be racing. Yeah. On that day. John Doonan, I had lunch with him. He's the president of IMSA um, when I was in Long Beach. And he said, you know, the schedule's pretty much set. So I don't see them unless it's a COVID situation or something that's, you know, extraneous. I, I don't see them moving the schedule. Uh, as far as 2022, Sebring is scheduled from the 16th through the 19th. So okay, technically so that, yeah. you could fly out the next day. Now, granted you're going to miss qualifying and all that. So again, it's still the same weekend, uh, not the same day, but the same weekend. So yeah, those are the notables that I got from the IndyCar series schedule. And one great thing is 13 races will be on NBC with actually 14 with two on USA and one on Peacock. And you cross your fingers on Toronto, there's a reason why that race is scheduled for Peacock. You wouldn't lose that money if that race can't happen next year because of the COVID restrictions uh, continuing. Uh, so, you know, Roger Pesky, we talked to Eric about this a little bit too uh, as far as the IndyCar schedule is concerned. Kind of scheduling 2022 out still with the pandemic in mind and maybe getting back to a normal slate in 2023. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, also, Chris, I'm, and we'll talk to Eric, but get your thoughts too. But motorsport.com is reporting that Takuma Sato will move to that 51 Rick Ware Dale Coin racing car uh, because Romain Grosjean is it's not finalized yet, but all signs point to him going to that number 28 car at Andretti Autosport. And so Takuma Sato would leave Ray Hall, let him in Lanigan Racing to go to Rick Ware Racing. And then Jack Harvey would take over that number 30 Ray Hall, let him in Lanigan car. Uh, that's still some question marks there on if Takuma Sato will be leaving Ray Hall, let him in Lanigan. And then perhaps Simon Pagino then going to that number 60 car and teaming up with an old friend and Elio Castroneves at uh, uh, Meyer Shank Racing. Yeah, you just uh, bamboozled everyone's minds there as we were talking about all the drivers <laughs> shuffling around. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully get a clear picture on it pretty soon because, you know, like you said, a lot of unconfirmed reports. But, you know, as far as Takuma's concerned, you know, obviously look at what Roma was able to do this year in that car with that team. I think that's a great move for him. I think he's basically done all he can do with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Not saying it's not a good program, but as a driver of Takuma stature and drivers, you know, always talk about 
unless you're at the top tier, like running a Penske car, which again, I never understood why anybody would leave a Penske car or even a Ganassi at that point. There's always that drive to, you know, prove yourself in another person's equipment. I think Takuma kind of may take that opportunity as, hey, here's an up-and-comer who's thrown a lot of money at their program to get a guy like Roman Grosjean to show that they can run on a podium, uh, qualify and pull, uh, and do all that stuff. So maybe this is a challenge for him to team up with, you know, whether they run a one-car or maybe advance to a two-car and, and, and prove that you could do it there. Now, as far as Grosjean's concerned, heck yeah, that's a big-time move for him. Because he's working himself up the ladder, going from yeah. F1 to kind of the, I don't want to say the lower rung, but, you know, Rick Ware isn't known for his IndyCar programs, kind of got his start. Now he has an opportunity to really run for a championship, I think, next year, or at least, you know, top five. Um, and then, yeah, and then that leaves, you know, the Jack Harvey situation, which we were wondering about weeks ago. Maybe his picture is clearing up a little bit. And for Simon Pagano, heck yeah, you know, Meyer Shane Gracing is, is a program also up and coming and obviously clearly a winner with the Indianapolis 500, but their dedication and commitment to veteran race car drivers is kind of something that um, stands them out amongst the rest. You know, others want to go younger. They seem to enjoy having the Elios and the guys with the pedigrees that they have already. So I think if, if a one, two punch was Elio and Simon, I mean, you're looking at a serious championship threat for sure. And we'll, and we'll talk to Eric about this, too. But some other cars that are up for grabs are the 45 uh, high V car for Ray Hall, Lerman, Lanigan Racing, the 29 car for Andretti Autosport, as I think most people think that James Hinchcliffe will not be in that ride next year. So who will fill those rides? The 22 car at Team Penske when Simon Pagano leaves that ride. So a lot of big openings there. And we'll talk to Eric a little bit later on what he thinks – what will happen with those rides and who might fill those uh, as all signs point to a lot of drivers available, not a lot of rides. So this is a big game of musical chairs. At the end of the day, several drivers are going to be without a chair when the music ends. It's an expensive game of musical chairs. <laughs> That's true. Because all these drivers are bringing money. It's how yeah. much you got, how deep are your pockets and how much are you willing to drop? you know, on your career, whether it's your personal money or, or obviously most of them have, you know, longtime sponsors and things, but still it's a money game at the end of the day. So how, how expensive is this game of musical chairs going to be? Well, certainly with all these rumors and unconfirmed reports flying around, there's a lot of money exchanging hands, you know, two, three different ways uh, to make things happen. And who goes Hollinger is another car that 77 car Pareto Autosport. Uh, who will they link with? So a lot of news that uh, is going to come out over the next uh, few months as we get set for the 2022 season. Hunko's Hollinger Racing is going to team up with a school here locally in Purdue University to help students get involved in motorsports. So it's kind of cool to see teams team up with universities. Purdue, a very well-known engineering school, uh, very well-known with the space program, but also with motorsports and a lot of people involved in motorsports and engineers come from Purdue. So, you know, maybe Hunkos is trying to find talent from that college level that can graduate and then come work for them and have a job available when they graduate, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always been an advocate for advancing within the sport from that collegiate level, no matter what it is, you know, on a team. Cause I think, you know, it's so hard to break in the motorsports industry, as you know, um, on different levels, but certainly is, 
if you show you have the passion and the talent at a young age, it's so hard because a lot of these kids, you know, boys and girls don't know who to talk to, who, how to get in. There's no clear cut path. So to take an investment like that into the younger generations, um, I mean, only, you know, excels the sport in the future because you're creating that bloodline uh, farther down than just, you know, trying to figure it out from within. And, you know, a lot of these schools are having engineers now working on an autonomous car that we're going to see a race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway next month. These Indy Lights type cars with no drivers in them. And they've been working on this for over a year. So, you know, I would think that if they could figure out how to make a car without a driver go fast around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, they'll be able to help a regular race team uh, that has a driver uh, be able to be successful. Yeah, I wonder in that situation, though, who do you blame an accident on? It's not driver error because there is no driver. So is that at, at least we know nobody will get hurt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Safety will be at an all-time high once these cars come out, <laughs> um, except for the dummy or whoever sits, at, you know, fake things sits in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if there will be a dummy in there or if it'll just be a completely empty cockpit. I'm uh, interested in seeing how it'll that probably be out. where like the weight goes like if there's a weight limit or something you have to add weight there'll probably be like an area where they put where you know kind of helps balance the car out so obviously that's way above my head so i'm not gonna think about it but that's still pretty cool the level of technology and innovation you know that these guys and girls are doing i gotta decide if i want to go to the ball say homecoming game that day or if i want to check out that autonomous race over here at the indianapolis motor speedway that might be a uh game time decision here at the end of there October. Go. There you go. Let me know if you make it down there, take some pictures. Yeah, we'll do. That should be probably the most interesting race that uh, any of us would have ever gone to. But uh, at any rate, speaking of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Jenna Fryer, of course, it was confirmed this week that IndyCar and NASCAR will have their double header again on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway moved to July 30th and 31st. Xfinity and IndyCar on the 30th and the Cup Series on the 31st. However, they are not closing the door on returning to the Oval and bringing back the Brickyard 400. Now, whether that is a rotation every other year or another race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is yet to be seen. But, you know, it's interesting to me that they moved the race, the NASCAR race from the Oval to the road course because of the lack of attendance but you see all over social media, people wanting them to bring back the oval. Well, if you had gone to the racetrack and supported the race, they'd still be on the oval. Don't you think? Yeah. It's, it's people like wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Kind yeah. of thing. And, and it, it frustrates me because I'm a traditionalist to some respect, but growing up in Indianapolis and, you know, as you know, too, how special that place is on the oval I was a little bummed they got rid of it. And yeah, a lot of it had to deal with attendance, but the attendance was because of the product on track, which was not good. And it started well back than the last two or three years. I mean, we're talking the first time I remember issues was that tire debacle in like 2008, 9, Eight. 10, yeah. 11, 12, Eight. 2008. Right. So you go always far back and NASCAR's tried every year to do something different with that. Nothing really happened. It's a single file race, maybe a few passes, not a lot of drama except for all the wrecks we had that year. Casey Kane won. But, you know, other than that, it's been pretty much hunky-dory, a standard NASCAR race. 
And I think where NASCAR is going is, all right, well, we got to spice things up because we got to make things interesting. Well, now you're going to piss off all the people that are like, well, who cares what the racing's like? It's the Oval in Indianapolis. It was meant to be, you know, that's that it's hollowed ground. Like, you, why kiss the bricks if you're not going to run on most of the track that the original, you know, whatever uh, races were on? So I see both sides of it. I think what will happen is NASCAR is going to give this one more try, maybe because now we've got this next gen car. Yep. Who knows? I think they will do oval testing with the next gen car during next season. And if all signs point to improvements, then 2023, we bring back the Brickyard 400. Will there be two races? Doubtful, unless they bring back the Brickyard 400. Or like, let's say this, this coming year's road course race and the next gen's awesome. Then they bring back the Brickyard and that's awesome. Well, then maybe you could have a two race deal. Uh, which would be awesome. Or even if you did a double header, which I know sounds a lot, but you bring two race cars, each team, a road course car and an oval car, and you have a double header at IMS. How cool is that? Because they could turn that track around in hours. So they could do a Saturday road course race and a Sunday late afternoon cup race on the oval. And a couple so we'll things, see. Yeah, a couple of things of what you said. You know, we've seen a double header at Pocono, yet that's the same racetrack, uh, right. the triangle. The changing from the racetrack from the oval to the road course or vice versa, we saw that back in the early part of the last decade when they had the Grand Dam race on Friday and then you turned it to the oval for the Xfinity race during Super Weekend. And like you said, the next-gen car, I think it's good for IMS that they are open to trying the next-gen car on the oval like you were talking about and giving it a chance to perhaps put on a better show than the last couple of generations of race cars have as it all kind of started with that uh, car of tomorrow and the tire debacle, like you mentioned, 2008, never really stuck to the racetrack. And I think those cars were more top heavy. So it was hard to have downforce and hard to pull up to guys in front and make passes. And I just think that this, maybe if you have some smaller race cars might put on a better show, which I think the next gen is getting a little bit smaller, especially height height wise. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is take it with a grain of salt. This is all my opinion, but I just think NASCAR's end goal is to get the stock cars back on the oval. Yeah. They're just right now trying to stop the bleeding because I don't think anybody wants IMS to be completely eliminated from the NASCAR schedule. So that's why we went to the road course. Let's give this a shot. Look how much fun the Xfinity race was that first year. Hell yeah, let's do the cup cars. Decent race, you know, had some drama. I mean, it was it was pretty good. Okay, well, now guess what? We're going to throw another wrench in it. We've got a new car next year. Let's see how it goes, but they're 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 baby stepping back toward the oval. I I full in my hundred percent my heart believe that we will be back on the oval in the next two years. I I tend to agree with you on that, and you know if it wasn't for that curbing in turn number five, we would have had a whale of a race this year too with the cup cars. So uh, I know they'll get that fixed for next year as well. But we know a little bit more. With the Clash format at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum, which will come up on February the 6th of next year. But it looks like it'll be open to all the cup teams. They'll have heat races and sort of like you'll see on your traditional Friday or Saturday night on a dirt track or a short track somewhere. And then you'll get down to a 20 to 25 car feature for the main event. But I think they didn't think it was going to be all that fair if you only opened it up to a certain amount of teams with these new cars and you know, giving them a head start on these new race cars. Oh, yeah. I mean, because that's a free, I mean, yeah, okay, it's the Coliseum. It's not a real racetrack we're going to go to in 2022, but it's still a test session. 
They still get to draw, you know, the LA Coliseum is the closest thing probably. I know that we kind of compared to Bowman Gray, even though we don't race there. But I mean, that's that's a Martinsville, that's a Bristol uh, car package that they're going to bring there. So again, gives those teams a leg up. Obviously, too, it's a big entertainment venture for NASCAR. And I mean, for exposure for these teams, especially the smaller ones, why yeah. not let it open to everybody? If you're going to do something brand new like this and kick off an exciting season with a new car, let's just invite everybody, you know, because at this point, the equals the playing field as far as, you know, getting laps on the car, gives everybody exposure. And obviously, you know, those that compete in it, like let's say if they did restrict it to, you know, the normal clash rules, which is, you know, past champions, past winners, things like that then you're eliminating some from having all these travel issues and having to prepare an extra car and all that because they're going to complain about that. So this just e- evens the slate. So the more cars, the merrier. I say let's start all 45 or however many entrants we have and let's wad them up and give the fans <laughs> a good challenge. That, that'd be a Tony Stewart answer right there. And then whoever survives the Demolition Derby will win the clash. So that's uh, it is the last great Coliseum. No, that's Bristol, <laughs> that's Bristol. but it is a Coliseum that you know gladiators, I'm sure, back in the day performed at. So, might as well let's see last man standing. You have Trojans playing there on Saturdays, true with USC. True. So, I didn't think of this, but it is on Fox. It begins Super Bowl week in LA. The Super Bowl is in LA up the road at that new stadium up there, which I'm spacing on the name of at this very so moment. Fi. So fi. Yeah, thank you. And so I assume the Super Bowl is on Fox this year. I don't know that for sure. So, you know, maybe they're using this as kind of a build up to the Super Bowl. So that might lead up to an even more audience. I assume it might be right after the Pro Bowl, which I uh, know nobody really watches at any rate, but you know, it's kind of a big kickoff to Super Bowl week. So you're kind of combining NASCAR and the NFL with Fox out there in LA. Yep. And you hit the nail on the head, Brad. It is a marketing person's <laughs> dream to have that event exactly where it is to promote not only the beginning of the NASCAR season, but that's NASCAR's goal. You ride the coattails of the NFL season, which again continues to be the most watched, you know, sporting series, I guess, in America, especially when you end it with the Super Bowl and you want to drag as many of those folks. So, oh, NASCAR starting. Okay, there's not going to be like, oh, the dreaded offseason, no football. Guess what? You got NASCAR on Sundays now, and it starts at the Clash, you know, at this new facility that's meant to play football at. There's so much crossover. It's insane. Uh, so yeah, it's a marketing dream for NASCAR, even for the NFL too. Um, cause you're going to draw some NASCAR fans. Oh, you know, they play football here. Okay. Oh, the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's a win, 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 win situation. And so on the clash, if you're Fox, you promote the heck out of the Super Bowl the next week. And then at the Super Bowl, if you're Fox, you promote the next week's Daytona 500, which is the Super Bowl of stock car racing. So a perfect yep combination right there for nascar and nfl on fox so i can see now why like you said a marketing genius came up with this idea of moving the clash to the coliseum two weeks before the super bowl and trying to build as much audience as you possibly can for both events yeah and that's kind of the name of the game so we'll, uh, we'll see what it does ratings wise what it does for the super bowl and then what it does obviously for the daytona 500 as well And then speaking of the West, and let's go up the coast a little bit to the Pacific Northwest, 
There are reports out there that the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and the Xfinity Series are going to run a standalone event at the Portland International Raceway in 2022. You know, NASCAR hasn't been out to the Pacific Northwest since I think the trucks run back there, maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, something like that. We've seen IndyCar at Portland the last uh, couple of years, obviously not last year because of COVID, but they put on a good show out there. So, no, I think this is a good way to try out and see what kind of audience you can build in the Pacific Northwest, you know, not at expense of a cup race out there yet, but the trucks and the Xfinity cars out there to get those fans uh, and see what kind of fan base you built. And maybe eventually you'll see a cup race up there at Portland as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and, and we talked about this too, of the, the market reach for, you know, motorsports in that part of the country. I think it's only going to grow there's a reason why, you know, we're focusing a lot of our West Coast swings now on that Los Angeles and then Northern California, kind of Pacific Northwest area. Now with Portland in the mix with IndyCar, I honestly think you could get, I mean, I think we had what an ARCA race at Portland up there during IndyCar weekend. Yeah, the ARCA we West. Even run the trucks the West up there. Yeah, so we may even run, I could see even the truck series. You know, I know they normally have a stop at Canadian Tire Motor or ctmp whatever it's called up near toronto they may just if, if if things keep happening the way they are maybe canada is not a viable option maybe they go run up in portland so uh, that tracks proved it so we'll see there's the expanding landscape is continuing to grow for motorsports especially in that part of the country because if you look on the map i mean there's a glaring hole there was a glaring hole up in that region and then obviously in in the plains you know, besides Iowa, I mean, there's no really racetracks in, uh, you know, Nebraska. Obviously, there are for local stuff and short tracks, but nothing on the national level. So it'll be it'll be fun to see kind of you know what's next as far as uh, the growth of of motorsports up there. And so we'll see if that's a standalone event for Trucks Xfinity. Let's play have a little fun here and speculate as we can do on the talk show. If the Trucks and Xfinity have a standalone show at Portland. You know, we're kind of seeing numbers of standalone events uh, events with Cup Xfinity trucks kind of dropping. Where else do you think we could see a standalone event for either trucks or the Xfinity series? That we year? don't normally because we, we don't we don't have a schedule for the trucks or the Xfinity right. next year. Uh, are there any other places do you think we could see a truck or Xfinity race not teamed up with a Cup race next year? It's tough because, yeah, they've been pretty adamant on eliminating those. A lot of it is cost savings, but, you know, the standalones now, um, all of them except. Because Gateway's it, going away because uh, Cup is going there now, so that won't be a standalone event for the trucks anymore. Right, right. So that'll be, well, it still could be if on those off weekends, if like they pair gateway with trucks, like for IndyCar, like True. they did this year, IndyCar trucks, and then just have cup its separate weekend with Xfinity. I could see that still happening. Cause I think NASCAR would like to still have its footprint on those major events, just like how they, um, you know, teamed up with IndyCar um, at IMS. As far as another track, I mean, well, obviously mid, wait, we've had, mid, we've had mid Ohio. That's what I forgot about for the Xfinity. Yeah. Xfinity yeah, we've had Mid-Ohio. Uh, obviously, Road America used to be one. That's not one anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we all want to see Lucas Oil Raceway in Indy, but that'll probably be, obviously, eventually paired with 
the cup series. Granted, two separate racetracks, but that's quote a standalone. Um, My vote would be at, Iowa. Yeah, there's, Iowa. there's been a lot of political back and forth with Iowa. Obviously, you saw how much it took to get IndyCar back to Iowa. That's a NASCAR facility, you know, yeah. um, as far as ownership. And clearly, NASCAR wasn't in a hurry to get it back because they let IndyCar rent the, you know, the, the lease to go promote an IndyCar race there. So the realization of it happening this year, probably not. I think we all want to see the trucks and Xfinity cars back there because it was a hell of a race. Oh, yeah. Times they race there. But that would probably be the most realistic if they can figure their, you know, for lack of better term, shit out and get get something figured out that they can do. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it, it's tough. I think, you know, NASCAR, because they want to grow the Cup Series because that's their top level. That's what everybody knows. Because they're putting those at, like, you know, Coda and, and doing all this stuff with, with, you know, now Gateway, they're eliminating a lot of the – you know, chance for NASCAR trucks and Xfinities to be the forefront of the face of NASCAR when it visits some of these markets, like it was in the past at mid Ohio or, you know, at road America and, and gateway. Cause now you have cup at those places. I could maybe see, I'd really like to see if they do back dirt to go trucks back to Eldora. That'd be cool. Yeah. And do a truck standalone at Eldora. Oh yeah. Well, Knoxville this last year. Yeah, I mean Knoxville was cool, and I, you know, from all indications, Knoxville should be back on the schedule this year. So I guess there's your one standalone. Um, I still think that the show is a little bit better at Eldora. The banking helps, you know, with Knoxville kind of turn into a wreck fest there. Which again, I don't think it's the tracks fault. It was just more of the people wanting to bang fenders and be the first winner at Knoxville. So. Yeah, I think Knoxville will see, but you're right. I mean, it's it, it's logistically tough to say where all the other standalones are going to be because there really isn't many options anymore unless you purposefully, because the trucks have the way their schedule is broken down, they don't race every, you know, every single week. Maybe it is a fact that like Road America, you know, maybe it, the cup weekend with Xfinity, maybe the trucks go there another weekend on IndyCar weekend. Or, you know what I mean? Or they do something like that because it's hard to pick a single week to have a standalone with all these opportunities the Cup Series is having. So, I don't know. What do you think? And I know, uh, like you sort of mentioned a little bit earlier, our friend Casey at Lucas Oil Raceway would love to see their goal is to get NASCAR back at Lucas Oil Raceway here at some point. So, you know, yeah. we'll see if and when that might happen too. As there was a lot of good racing at that six tenths of a mile oval back in the Kroger speed fest over the years. But let's move on here. Uh, here's an interesting story I found this week. Marcus Limonis, who is the owner of camping world is offering Todd oh, yeah. Bodine a six race deal. The fans step up and give 800 reasons to get him up to 800 NASCAR national starts. Todd Bodine between the series sits at 794 starts between cup Xfinity and the Camping World Truck Series. I think Marcus Simonis would try to get him a six-race deal in the Camping World Truck Series if the fans step up. So, you know, I, I love these sort of, I don't know if gimmicks the right term, or these promotions that Marcus Simonis does, and you'll give him credit. He's done a lot for motorsports uh, uh, as far as 
sponsoring the Camper World Truck Series, giving drivers rides. So, um, you know, this is an interesting promotion trying to get a Todd Bodine, a veteran who's been out of the sport for a while, just into a few more races to get him up to that number of 800. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of been the running, you know, longtime NASCAR Truck Series fans are going to be very happy about that. I think, you know, it's kind of like, if you've been around the sport for a while, you know, everybody wants to know, oh, let's get Todd Bodine back. It's kind of always been a joke. Well, I think, you know, finally, because Marcus Limonis has invested so much in motorsports recently, he's always finding, you know, what, what's the next big story that we can get? You know, who else can we talk to? And I think it just kind of circled around it. You know, Todd Bodine's on TV, but you know, he's retired, quote unquote, but he's only six wins, you know, or six starts away from 800, and he probably just took it and ran with it. So I think it's awesome. You know, I mean, whether it's a, a you know, gimmick or a promotion or whatever you want to call it, I, I don't gimmick's kind of a negative term. I think it's yeah, true. really unique, you know, and I think, again, will that get people to watch? You bet it will. All these old-time fans are going to come back. Oh, I remember when Todd Bodine was a full-time starter. Let's see if he can still do it, you know. And I think he can. I think Todd Bodine could be like a Paul Tracy, you know, and just get back behind the wheel kind of like Paul did in the SRX and go ruffle some feathers and – and contend for maybe he could pull a Greg Biffle and just hop in a truck and go win his first time out. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But I think it's a really cool opportunity. And I'm really happy Marcus, you know, is taking advantage of not only his, his station as far as his wealth and what he's been able to give to the sport, but also just, you know, his time and, and interest in making things like this happen. So we'll see if the fans step up and see if uh, that deal does come together. So that'd be interesting to see that's the news that i've come up with chris uh anything that you know that we may have missed uh, over the last week or so no we covered it all um just some local stuff going on just getting ready for the end of the year obviously we can recap all that stuff but uh nothing big news n- nothing newsworthy uh, obviously we follow some of our youngsters that kind of continue to grow the ranks i saw uh kaylee bryson you know who runs with usac you know made another pavement late model start down here in Hickory. So again, a Toyota program trying to, like they did with Dason Persley, trying to get their next group of folks into some pavement cars and seeing who has the potential to go uh, NASCAR racing. Uh, saw Santino Ferrucci's name on the back of Sam Hunt's car for Xfinity series again. So I'm sure we'll see him. I think he's scheduled for Vegas off the look. Uh, if not, he'll be on the next, uh, the next Xfinity series venture this year. So good to see Ferrucci getting a shot back in the, uh, in the old Xfinity car. That was a really cool story that, you know, we touched on after Richmond was the fact that John Hunter gave Sam Hunt, you know, his first uh, top five run, you know, and it's, it's a small team that runs out of a small shop out here in North Carolina. You know, this guy's 20, God, 27, maybe 28 years old, started his own Xfinity team from the ground up uh, and obviously had, you know, some, Smaller time drivers got, you know, Santino, which was cool. But then to get John Hunter and even check to drive your car and go run top five was pretty awesome. So, so yeah, that was cool. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, no, no real newsmakers. Imps has been pretty quiet since Laguna. We're all kind of focused on the championship uh, point scenarios as we go to Long Beach, you know, with IndyCar this weekend. So, yeah, that's about it. I know we'll talk to Eric about IndyCar and NASCAR in silly season, but is there any – things going on involving the IMSA silly season? So they don't really, their silly season's a very quiet, silly season. You know, it's a, um, there's not, 
you'll find out if you ever go to you know the Imps of Paddock. There's not a lot of gossip that goes on. I mean, and if it is, it's very quiet because it doesn't get to you know many of us. But not really big rumblings. Obviously, the biggest thing right now is I think there's going to be a wealth of cars because of this new LMDH program that, yeah, it's still a year and a half away, but folks are kind of lining up for those rides. I think the GTD Pro that got introduced, which is going to eliminate GT Le Mans and kind of reintroduce the factory element to the GT racing programs so like your Audis and BMWs, again, having factory programs. That may open up some seats. Um, but again, it's a lot more of the opening up seats versus the shuffling of drivers around. I think we saw more of that last year when Ganassi left uh, in 19, the GTLM program, and that left four guys, including Ryan Briscoe, out of a ride. Um, obviously, one of them was able to find a car, but that's about it, uh, you know, in, in other changes. So uh, silly season's not quite here yet. Um, they usually kind of save big news for Petit Le Mans in November, so stay tuned. And Penske looking to get back involved, right? To any rumblings there, or should we wait till Petit Le Mans weekend for that news as well? Yeah, I mean, nothing official. I think they were more concerned or concerned. They were more interested in the LMDH because that's going to change for 2023. Right. But doesn't mean that they don't try to fuel the car in 2022 in the DPI just to get, you know, a team kind of back under their belt. Yeah, they've only been gone for a year. But at the same time, it won't be with Acura, I don't think. Uh, and it'll be with this LMDH. So we'll see. I don't know. There's rumblings all over the place, but you're at. Good deal. So that's the news. We'll talk to Eric Smith about IndyCar and NASCAR silly season, his thoughts on the 2022 schedules as well. And then Chris and I will come back and kind of look back at the weekend that was and look ahead to another big weekend of racing uh, here in our third segment. So stay tuned. Eric Smith from Race Review Online joins us next. And then Chris and I will come back and uh, look back and look ahead here on the Racing Hub Spit Report. And welcome back to the Racing Hub Spit Report. I'm Brad Huber with Eric Smith from Race Review Online. Eric, thanks for your time this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, pleasure to pleasure to be on with you. Well, you cover IndyCar and NASCAR, and obviously a lot is going on in both right now. But real quickly, how did Race Review Online start, or how did you come up with the idea to start that website? Yeah, actually, uh, it started back got probably 2012-ish, 13. Um, I used to write for Bleacher Report. I did uh, IU basketball, Colts football, and racing. And then a guy that I uh, did racing with there, he kind of started his own website there was some financial gain to write over there. So I started uh, kind of splitting both doing bleacher report for uh, stick and ball sports and then racing with him. And then the more and more time I got invested in the racing side, it took off even more, which kind of led to more of a full-time focus that than Colts and IU. And then it led to him kind of taking a step back and relinquish relinquishing the reins over to me. And I just kind of kept it going off from there. That's really cool. So are you really the main one for this website now, or do you have anybody else that helps you? Uh, I'm the main. I got a couple of people that help kind of behind the scenes. Luke will write me some writing occasionally. Um, my grandpa, he always wanted to be a writer through college, has a journalism degree. I started working at Lily's out of college, and uh, kind of is the reason why I'm in the race in the way I am. Uh, he's, he used to take me when I was like two. Uh, so I let him do some like historical writing. Uh, when he wants to. <laughs> so uh, other than that, I, I'm 
I'm pretty much the main guy for the side at this point. That's really cool. So get some family involved in there and let's jump into it here. So we have a short amount of time as I'm, uh, for people that don't know, I'm on my lunch break right now trying to do this. So the IndyCar championship race coming up this weekend at Long Beach, Alex Polo, a 35 point lead over Pato Award and Joseph Newgarden. And I believe I saw your tweet that said Alex Polo needs an 11th or better right on Sunday. Correct. Yes. Yeah. If, if, all he's got to do is finish 11th, and it doesn't matter what Pato or Joseph do. He's uh, he will be the championship or be the champion on Sunday. What a story that is, though. Alex Pillow, a sophomore driver in IndyCar, his first year with Chip Ganassi Racing, a 24-year-old, and he is on the verge of winning his first IndyCar Series championship. And you know it's back to back for Chip Ganassi, but the bigger story here is Alex Pillow on the verge of winning his first championship in only his second year in the series. Yeah, it's a great story. It's incredible, actually. I mean, he he would be, I think, like in the top seven youngest drivers to ever win the championship, first and foremost. Um, Pato would actually be the youngest if he could win. So you got two young guys. Uh, the 10 car hasn't really been stable since Dario left when he retired in 2013 for that injury he suffered in, in Houston. And it's been a cast of characters in that car. I mean, nothing against Tony Kanaan or Ed Jones or anybody else, Felix Rosenquist, anybody else that's been in that car. It just seems like it's never fully clicked the way Alex has done it. And Alex, really the only reason he's in the seat is from here in Indy last year. Uh, Chip Ganassi and Mike Cole and Dario took notice of him when he was with Coin and how quick he was. And Alex talked to him. He introduced himself. He said that he's always wanted to drive for an established team like that. Knew he had nothing lined up for the season. The funding was, was drying up. He didn't have a ride for this year at that point. Introduced himself. They took notice. Uh, then one thing led to another with Felix Rosenquist. To me, it was remarkable that he left Ganassi for Errol McLaren because Ganassi was an established ride. I thought he was an up-and-coming driver with him too. And he left, seat was open, and they remembered that conversation with Alex Pelot from Indy. And they called him up, said, we got a ride for you if you want it. And the rest is history. And here he is. Uh, he's one race away from winning the championship. And it's remarkable to, to come from a coin car to Ganassi. And he said the pressure – he never felt pressure. He said, this is what I'm expected to do. I don't feel pressure and expected to do these things. I, I know the kind of the caliber of a driver I am, and here he is. And it, it's going to take a miracle for, for him not to win the championship. And, and he's right there. It's, it's an incredible story. And I talked to Alex Polo after his third-place finish back at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis in May, and I was just impressed with how mature this guy is as a 24-year-old. And not only with, like you said – introducing himself to Ganassi, but also the coaching I'm sure he's getting from his very much veteran teammate, Scott Dixon and Chip Ganassi, who uh, has obviously been around the block a few times. Yeah. You got to think of what's around him too. I mean, yeah, you said you got Dixon who's won six championships. Jimmy Johnson's won seven in NASCAR. So he knows how to win a title. Dario of all the championships he's won in IndyCar and he's got all these guys in his corner. Uh, and plus you got Marcus Erickson who has been running well this season, former F1 guy. So He's got enough people in his corner. Scott Pruitt now part of this team uh, with Ganassi kind of helping Jimmy Johnson, but he can lean on him. And Alex has made it clear that he he wouldn't be here without their help. He, he asked a lot of questions almost where he says he's like an annoying little brother. And the guys even <laughs> said, like Dixon even mentioned <laughs> was like a couple of races ago, he's like, yeah, I, I, he needs to be actually a little more meaner. I, I feel like he's too nice. And, and here he is. It's worked. It, it's all worked. It feels like this is the future of Ganassi. I wrote about that in October. Like they needed – that future because once Dixon steps away and let's be honest, it's this time is running out. I mean, it's not like he's going to do this forever. 
who's the next guy for Ganassi? We didn't know that last year. We thought Rosenquist, but he wasn't fully there yet. Pelot's that guy. It, it, it's clearly – he's only – like you said, he's 24 years old. This is the direction Ganassi's going, and, and I feel like it's – granted, it, it, the door's open. He's not great on street courses, but this, this championship should be his lose at this moment. And like you said, you know, Scott Dixon, Jimmy Johnson, and Tony Kanaan are all up there in age. So, obviously, their time is running out. So, Polo and perhaps Marcus Erickson, the future of this Ganassi racing team. Yeah, they very much so. And Erickson, I'm going to have a silly season report coming out either today or tomorrow. Update. He, he's likely going to be back. I know there's been reports out there that he's coming back, but Ganassi's not fully officially announced that he's back. So, I can't take it and run with it yet other than hearsay and talk. But he's going to be back. So you got a 31-year-old, a 24-year-old, and then what's next? And Ganassi doesn't have an Indy Lights team, so they're going to have to pluck somebody from somewhere. And Dixon, let's be honest, I mean, it's it's weird that a year he's had. I mean, I got this report coming out too at the end of the, of the week, but out of the last 21 races, he's had four podiums, or five podiums, one win. It's very un-Dixon-like. And are his stats declining? Is it a matter of circumstances? Who knows fully, but we know that Polo is showing he can win with them. So they're going to still have to find that future. They're not going to be there forever, the other three that you mentioned. So um, right now, Polo is a good place to start. It's a foundation, and they can build up from here still and, uh, and not go backwards. And Eric, you mentioned it with Silly Season 2022. Let's jump into that a little bit. Uh, motorsport.com, I saw reporting that Takuma Sato perhaps will be going to that 51 card to replace Romain Grosjean, which everybody believes hasn't been officially announced yet, that Grosjean will take over that number 28 Andretti Autosport car that will be vacated by Ryan Hunter-Ray. Also, Jack Harvey, the reports are, will be driving for the number 30 Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan card, taking over for Takuma Sato. And so basically Sato to Rick Ware in the 51, Grosjean to the 28, Jack Harvey to the 30. That is coming from Moviesport.com. Are you hearing those same things? And what else are you possibly hearing for what we yeah. might see as far as this musical chairs game we see every year with Silly Season? Yeah, it's wild. It's Right now, I'm hearing those exact same things. You've got 12 open rides right now as far as teams that are here this season. There's 12 of them open. 11 of them are full-time because the Carpenter part-time ride is one of them. Um but the weird thing is most of these rides are far down the line with drivers in them. Like you said, Grosjean, I believe this week or next, that's going to be announced. Devlin Dave Francesco, he's an Indy Lights driver for Andretti. All signs are he's going to replace James Hinchcliffe in the 29. Um, and people may wonder, like, well, why would Andretti not go Kyle Kirkwood? He's leading the Indy Lights points. He's won nine races. It's because, from what I hear, he's going to go to the 18 to replace Ed Jones with Coin, which is why Sato's have for the 51. Um, so you got the Andretti cars that are pretty much aligned. You got coin. That's pretty much other than the 51 now, pretty much aligned. Ganassi, as I said, it's going to be Erickson Ray Hall. Here's where there's is interesting. We know Jack Harvey's going to go there, but you can't announce things until current contracts are done. That's why that haven't announced that. Um, and that's why Simon Paginot, who I've heard is going to the 60. They can't announce yet either because his contract with Penske goes into the fall. And you can't break a contract. You can't be in breach and want to owe a lot of money to make an announcement early when you can just wait. So from what I hear, Pagano's going to the 60. Harvey's going to go to Ray Hall. But the kicker is, right, the plan was Harvey to go to the 45 and Sato come back. Sato's waiting for Honda's money. Honda doesn't know what they're going to do with the funding yet for Sato, obviously, because they fund him. 
is it, do they scale back? And if they scale back, then that leaves Ray Hall with an open ride. And that's where the 45 musical chairs game has been with Christian Lungard, Askew, Ferrucci, Hunter Ray's now in that mix. But we know two of the three drivers are Ray Hall and Jack Harvey. So who's the third? Is it Sato? Does he come back and they move Harvey to the 45? Or is Sato out, which would be, coin would be the only other spot he can go to because he's still going to remain with Honda. Sato's not going to drive for a Chevrolet team. So that's the last spot for Sato to rain, rain into. Um, but if he goes there, that takes somebody like a James Hinchcliffe out of that 51 ride who's been rumored to land there because Hinchcliffe has NASCAR plans that he'd like to do too if it comes up and Rick Ware Racing has a NASCAR team. So it would make sense if he can do both with them or he can land that part-time 52 car as well. So that's also floating out there. Pinsky is going to fold if Paginona leaves, which all signs are he's leaving. They're going to fold that third car. And where that gets interesting is a lot of people don't realize the Peretta car in the month of May. Obviously, they know that it was Penske's alliance, but that was a Hunkos car. That car came, Penske leaves from Hunkos. Well, they gave that car back to Hunkos, which is what you see that 77 out there. So if the 22 team goes away for the year, there's an option where that 16 car, the Peretta car, could be Pagano's old car and they might rise up to a full-time team or take a larger role so you got that aspect out there um but you also it, it's hard to tell with the rest of the rides so that takes care of all that but that leaves two with Foyt you got Hunkos with that ride Carlin Max Chilton it makes more sense for him to go back there but he wants a teammate so how does that work out Do they have the funding to bring a second car they own a second car um, and then you got the Carpenter ride this part-time Air Force is tied to that with Connor Daly. Now there's reports saying that Air Force may stay with Carpenter and drop Connor Daly. So what does that do with Connor? So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff for these part-time rides. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but I've got a report coming out that there's 26 drivers being mentioned for these 12 rides wow. that all the cypher through who ends up where. That's absolutely incredible though. And a couple of things I take from that. And unless I miss this, do you say who might be in that 45 car for Ray Hall, Leatherman, Lanigan Racing to uh, team up with Jack Harvey and Graham Ray Hall? And also, if they pull that 22 car, I know Penske is looking to get back into IMSA or in the sports cars. Do you think that crew that currently fields the 22 car uh, each race weekend on pit road, do you think they might move over to IMSA? They, very much so, yeah, because Penske wants to keep it together and maybe have a fourth Indy 500 car or, again, I can give it to Peretta, but there's a strong chance for 23. So next year's uh, class, free agent, cl free agent class, you got Colt, not Colt, uh, Alexander Rossi and Renus VK. We know Penske wants to make a play at either of those guys. So that 22 car essentially will be gone for 22, 2022, but make a comeback in 2023 with either gotcha. probably VK or Rossi. So they want to keep that team together and maybe, like you said, repurpose it in NIMSA just for keep it at bay for a year because – the thing is what we're getting into, which I've heard from a lot of people, is as teams rise, I can make a case. You're going to have probably 32 teams at some point running next year. You're going to have between 26 and 27 full-time, and you got that many more part-time that's there. You're running out of people. That's the biggest factor here. It isn't just the OEM support. Is you got to have good people around you, and you're running thin on people to work on these teams. So as you expand, you need people for that team. So – Penske doesn't want to lose those people to other teams and bring that car back. And why would a Rossi or a VK want to leave and be like, oh, who's going to work on this car? Those people are all gone. So 
to make it enticing, you got to keep them around. And that's, that's where the big key is moving forward too, is, is the people aspect. You got to have people to run these cars yep. and um, they're running low on them right now. Indeed. You don't want to spread it too thin there. Uh, what do you know? We'll get to with IndyCars, the schedule that came out this weekend, a couple of notes, St. Pete moving to February, the end of February, a double header at the Iowa Speedway. Detroit is down to one race. We do get Toronto back after two years because of COVID and Texas to March. Uh, anything of notes jump out to you with the schedule release over the weekend? Yeah, the one, the only drawback I had on, I thought it was a good schedule. The only thing is I like that you're moving into February with St. Pete, but you're also, and you move Texas up. It makes sense, but you're also compromising out of the first, out of a 61 day span, you're only racing three times. So it's kind of hard to gain momentum going into the month of May from February when you start to April 30th that you have three races. So it's, I can see where that's hard to build momentum, but in contrast, though, you've got your first six races on NBC. They've got the new contract. So they're going to spend a lot of time on them. So that, that was one of the things that I noticed was that, that the big gap at the beginning. But I like how NBC's picked up. And I noticed P- Roger Pinsky is just a smart businessman. And, and when we got the release in July, there was 17 race schedule. And we all thought, oh, Iowa's now two races. So we're going to have 18 races. And we knew two of them were going to be on Peacock, two of them on USA. But you look at the schedule, you're like, well, there's only – one on Peacock and the two on USA stay. Well, here's how we work that out is Toronto goes on Peacock. Here's the kicker. We, like you said, we haven't been to Toronto in two years and with the COVID around it's there's rumors that race may not even happen next year. Cause you got to have people to do it. You haven't had funding for two years for that race. Is it smart to go North of the border when you know, you may lose money. Well, if you don't look at the TV provider on that Peacock, you're not losing on NBC or USA. So that's why that race ended up Peacock. And to keep the 17 race contract deal, Penske owns the Belle Isle race and he owns now the Speedway and IndyCar. So that what better place to take it from is one of his own where he doesn't have to lose as much from somewhere else and go one way race at Belle Isle, get you through the year and then revisit the schedule for 23. So I, I thought it was a good schedule, pretty status quo. We end on September 11th, which I know a lot of people feel like we need to be racing deeper in the fall. I would love to keep racing. I would love to go into October. I love IndyCar, but there's not a lot of people that show and that do pay attention past once football season starts. I mean, I, I wrote about that too. I mean, you're NBC is going to want this on network TV because NBC has since gone away. And when you only have five to 600,000 people tuning in, that's not good business for NBC to have a low number tuning in on a, on a network station and you don't want to get bumped to USA at the end of your season. You want to be on network TV. So you, you better just end early in the NFL season and keep the momentum going for another season from the off season in between and not lose anything. So I like it. I thought they did a good job. It's kind of status quo. It's kind of opposite of what NASCAR is doing. NASCAR is trying to shake things up, trying to get new events, trying to build a buzz or any cars already got the buzz and they like date, date equity the NASCAR doesn't, other than the Daytona 500 or Coach 600, data equity to them is kind of out the window. They're trying to they're trying to find what IndyCar's got. So I like it. It's a good base, good foundation, and uh, I like what they're doing over there. And you mentioned it too. Let's jump over to NASCAR. Their schedule was released last week as well. And one of the biggest uh, notables was the clash now at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum on a quarter-mile track. That will be interesting. The Homestead Miami Speedway is back in the playoffs moving to October. 
uh, NASCAR racing on Easter Sunday night on the dirt track at Bristol. And then the Worldwide Technology Raceway in St. Louis is on the cup schedule as well. Also hearing rumors that Xfinity and trucks could be headed to the Pacific Northwest to race at the Portland International Raceway. So uh, what are your takeaways from the NASCAR schedule? And are you hearing anything as far as a standalone event for Xfinity and trucks in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I heard that too for the Pacific Northwest. They're, they're trying to get into that market. It's a pretty good market for them. Um, but they don't want to just risk it with throwing cup up there yet because there's not a lot of tracks up there for that's – and there are tracks, let me say that. There's not a lot of tracks that are up to like NASCAR standards with the safer barriers, the, the infrastructure in place, the, the media centers, press boxes for people to cover, grandstands in, in good condition. So Portland would be a good one. I mean, they already host IndyCar there, but uh, – it's, it'd be hard to also just throw a NASCAR race, a cup race at Portland too, without trying it out with trucks and Xfinity. So I did hear that. Um, I like their schedule. I like the change up. I, the clash, I first thought, I'm like, why would they take that away from Daytona? It doesn't make any sense. But then like I wrote about too last week, the clash has just been a dying race lately. I yeah. mean, that, that thing, nobody shows up. I, I wrote about this during speed weeks this past, this past year that other than the Daytona 500, it's kind of a local crowd and the local crowd doesn't show up a lot i mean you look at the clash the duels i mean I, you probably remember being a race fan like yourself that you're watching the clash and the duels those grandstands were packed it used to be yeah. packed. at least you would never know the difference between the daytona 500 and those races they were packed now you're you're between five and ten thousand people there that's it i mean nobody's showing up for those races so nascar felt that nobody's coming not that many people are watching we're wadding up a bunch of race cars every year on the oval it's it's costing money than bringing money so let's move to the road course. That didn't work. So you know what? Let's think outside the box. We, we want to go to bigger markets, but street course racing, we haven't fully developed that yet on a NASCAR game. So what's the next best? Let's go to a football stadium. They host a lot of people. And, and like it or not, people are, people are complaining about it, but I guarantee you're going to have 60, 70,000 strong at that race. And the ratings are going to be high because people are going to wonder what it's going to look like. So to me, that's a win over what the clash is now. So I can't hate it. So um, plus it's the week before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl's in LA. Fox has got the build up for it. So it, to me, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to do. Um, I, it just feels like that's the next direction NASCAR is going in from that schedule. You can kind of see a lot of other places are getting that data equity back. Um, they're making some changes, but they want to get new events to the schedule. I like Gateway. The only thing that concerns me with Gateway is selfishly for the IndyCar side is, is that race going to take away from the IndyCar race in August? Because I see a lot of promotions, a lot of Stories getting written out of the St. Louis market, calling this the biggest race to come to town. It's like, well, wait a minute. IndyCar has been coming the last few years. He's been saying <laughs> it's a big race. It's been yep. a packed, good atmosphere. I just hope it doesn't take away from that. Um, but other than that, I like the schedule. I think they needed to change it up. It got stagnant. It got stale. Attendance wasn't up a lot of places. That This this keeps it true to standard. And I also think it makes a lot of pressure on the track, saying you need, you need to do a good marketing plan. You need to get people to show up, because if you don't, we got other tracks waiting to fill your spot. So um, I thought another interesting fact was the Speedway, Nathan Brown, the Indy Star was reporting, and I heard this too, and he's 100 percent spot on. Sorry, had to spit that out there. <laughs> um, with the Brickyard, eventually they want to get back on the Oval. I thought that was interesting. Um, maybe an alternating every other year Oval Road Course. Uh, because if so, what does that do? The IndyCar's Road Course weekend, the shared weekend, I know NBC likes that a lot. I think the Speedway likes to keep that because you don't want to necessarily 
let that go to another track. It brings a lot of eyeballs to your track. And, and if the Brickyard goes to the Oval, IndyCar is not interested in running another Oval IndyCar race at the Speedway. So what does that do? Do they run the road course with the IndyCars one day and can they convert it to the Oval the next day? That's down the line. That could happen as soon as 23-2. So we'll see uh, what happens. But it shows that NASCAR is taking this year by year and, and they're putting pressure on these tracks and the fans will show up and, and good for them. I mean, you need to grow the sport somehow and that's, that's the direction they're going in. Good deal. Real quickly, I have a few minutes left here before I need to get back to work. Um, anything you're hearing on the NASCAR silly season side that's standing out? I know we've had Kurt Busch to 23-11 racing next year. We've had a few others already announced, but anything that's not announced that uh, you're hearing? Yeah, there's only a few left, actually. NASCAR, um, their silly season's wrapping up a little quicker on the cup side because the new car coming out next year. They need to get tested. There's a couple testing programs, uh, I think October, another one in November, that they need to have their drivers solidified before they get to those. And so that's why we're seeing that kind of speed up and more now than in recent years. So really all that's left is Eric Almirola and the 10 team. All signs are that they're going to stay together. Um, I don't think there's anything on the horizon. Why Stuart Haas would replace him now? Uh, JTG's got an opening with the 47 card, but – I think they're kind of showing who's going to be in it with Stenhouse testing down in Daytona a couple of weeks ago for the next gen car. I don't know why Stenhouse would leave other than Stuart Haas. And the only reason I say Stuart Haas is Stenhouse is agency that re represents him as Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick and his team represent Stenhouse. So it makes sense if Kevin Harvick would, if somehow it doesn't work out with Almirola in the 10 car to bring Stenhouse over, uh, because it'd be two under the same contract or umbrella of the same team. But, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see Almirola in the 10, Stenhouse in the 47. Front row is the only other thing left other than your Rick Ware charters, um, what they do, because there's rumors that front row is going to sell a charter to Denny Hamlin's new team for Kurt Busch's car. Um, so what does that look like? Do they sell both? And does Hamlin acquire three charters now and lease one back out? Or does Hamlin and Michael Jordan's team say, you know, we'll take one charter, front row motorsports goes down to one car. If they do, Michael McDowell would be your driver. But that's really the biggest thing left. Uh, I think the status quo for everything else, but it's what happens with Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan's team in front row. Can they solidify that? If not, Starcom, I heard maybe folding. Their charter may be available to grab, which Hamlin uh, could essentially grab that too in front row motorsports from a two-car team. So it's kind of the smaller teams, what they're going to do with their charters and how Denny Hamlin can acquire him is going to be the next thing moving forward. Oh, good deal, Eric. A lot of great information in there. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Racing Hubs Pit Report this week. Uh, no problem. Anytime, man. Thank you. We'll have more recaps of races uh, from this past weekend and look ahead when we come back on the Racing Hubs Pit Report. And thank you, Eric Smith. A lot of good information, a lot of information that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, some very interesting news coming from the IndyCar paddock as Chris and I talked in the first segment and Eric talked about 26 drivers for 12 rides, perhaps, and perhaps James Hinchcliffe might be involved in some NASCAR in 2022 as well with Rick Ware racing. So stay tuned. A lot to be decided over the next yeah. several weeks, but let's talk USAC. We'll talk about the weekend that was the sprint cars. Chris made their first ever appearance at the Circle City Raceway on Friday, and Tanner Thorson got the win there over on the southeast side of Indianapolis, and at Tri-State Speedway, Kevin Thomas Jr. got the win on Saturday. 
there for the uh, USAC Sprint Car Series. Yeah, those two really good big races to kind of wrap up the big time uh, races down there in your neck of the woods in Indiana. Obviously, we're kind of at the tail end of the season. We're getting close to that West Coast swing, which will de- decide a champion. But yeah, no drivers won more during that 21 season for the sprint cars than, than Tanner Thorson. So he's been red hot in, in that Ryan Bold machine with, with AME on the side. And um, obviously him and Kevin Thomas Jr. lately have kind of been the ones that have surfaced to the top. I thought Wyndham would be, you know, in contention as well. And he was over the weekend, but that Hobsock Husser window for KTJ was big because he hates that racetrack traditionally in the past. And I think now was kind of a, a showing that he's finally mastered. And obviously winning $12,000 is not a bad payday for a USAC sprint car event. So pretty, pretty cool to see uh, both those races. And and again, kind of wrapping up a, a big portion of the Indiana swing. Obviously they've got the Kokomo clash uh, to kind of wrap up uh, up at Kokomo. But as far as the national schedule is concerned, uh, that was a good way to kind of cap things off. And Kevin Thomas Jr. Currently second in Amsoil national sprint car points, Tanner Thorson, is fourth as they are chasing Brady Bacon with a few weeks to go or a few races to go, I should say. And a big one coming up this weekend. Uh, they'll begin at Gas City Speedway on Thursday, the 23rd. And then uh, the Four Crown Nationals coming up this weekend at Eldora with everybody when it comes to open wheel racing, World of Outlaws, USAC Silver Crown, USAC Sprint Cars, USAC Midgets. Uh, that should be a lot of fun this weekend at Eldoran. The weather uh, this weekend is looking absolutely perfect up here in the Midwest with the highs in the 70s, lows in the 50s, and no threat of rain once we get past the next few days here. Oh, that's perfect. Four Crown is, you know, right up there with, you know, like the major crown jewels of, of racing. Obviously, we saw Kyle Larson win three of them. Uh, gosh, what was that, Two thousand. 14 something like that 13 14 but it's uh it, it's kind of separates the men from the boys and then have the world of outlaws you know run the night before they run the other the other USAC threes big um so yeah it's it's i've never been to a four crown uh but it's certainly on my bucket list if you live out you know in indiana ohio go check it out it's um it's it's where it's at i mean the legends have won there jack hewitt uh just you know brian clausen so pretty, pretty cool race. And the fact that they, especially they do all those races, you know, over one weekend is, I mean, that's the Mecca of, of dirt track racing right there. And like you mentioned, the world of outlaws will be on Friday this weekend. And then that triple header with silver crown sprint cars and midgets on Saturday, the world of outlaws did run this past weekend as they were at the Kings outlaw shootout at Keller auto speedway in Hanford, California, and Carson Macedo won that race, uh, beating Brad Sweet. Of course, Brad Sweet is the brother-in-law to Kyle Larson on the NASCAR Cup side. So, uh, good battle there out west before they make the trek east to head to that famous racetrack in Ohio. Yeah, and Macedo, that's kind of his hometown track, too. So, that was really big for him. And uh, to kind of stick on the on the wing side, too, got to give a shout-out to Anthony Macri. Him and Lance DeWeese were going back and forth, back and forth at Williams Grove. Hell of a battle. Those two are kind of the PA posse front runners. Uh, week in, week out here as of late. And uh, pretty cool that Macri was able to best kind of his, his mentor a little bit, Lance DeWeese. 
both the guys that are from around that area at Williams Grove in Pennsylvania. And then uh, I know it doesn't have to do anything with wing sprint cars. Oh, I, Justin Peck, uh, my buddy from the uh, quarter midget days, we raced together in Indianapolis. He won 20 grand at Lincoln. Wow. Uh, and so that was pretty cool. It was a big dirt classic out there. So he's kind of been a sleeper, not as of late. The first part of the season with the All-Stars, he was in the championship lead. Uh, Sunshine since has taken that over, but he's repeatedly been on the podium and, and, and captured a number of wins. This is probably one of the bigger ones. So pretty cool for him. And then I do want to give a shout out. I, I, I forgot about it the other, uh, the other day, but uh, I know Stuart Friesen in the camp World truck series, although that's his full-time job. And clearly, you know, he does a good job at it making the postseason. but his, his real, his real bread and butter is those uh, big uh, super dirt car modifieds. And uh, picked up fifty three thousand dollars. Holy cow! At uh, the Fonda two hundred in New York uh, over this weekend too. So and he even had a flat tire. I read about too. So that's pretty cool. So hats off to Stuart Friesen who will uh, then try to change his 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 luck in the truck series and hope, hopefully pick up a win at uh, Las Vegas this weekend. He did make it into the uh, second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, he has not yet won this season, according to my notes. In nope. the Camping World Truck Series, so looking to change that around. And let's talk about the trucks a little bit at Bristol. A wild weekend, all three races. I'm not sure I've, I've seen a weekend with more wild racing than we had at Bristol. It started on Thursday night with the uh, Camping World Truck Series and came down to the wire. Kind of feel bad for our previous guest, Austin Hill, who got involved in a crash late when battling to try to make it into the second round of the Camping World Truck Series uh, playoffs, but it was a battle between Sheldon Creed, John Hunter Nemechek, and then Chandler Smith comes sort of from nowhere to get his first win in the Truck Series at a good time, too, because he was pretty much going to be out of the playoffs and eliminated, but they got the win, and he is moving on. So, and he is, what, 19 years old? Yes. Now it's the second round of the uh Playoffs, Chandler Smith uh, beating out Sheldon Creed there at the end at Bristol in a wild race on Thursday. Yeah, big-time race there in the truck series. It had pretty much everything you could have wanted, and that just really set the stage for the rest of the weekend. But, you know, not only is, is Chandler getting the win big, because obviously he's he's been a bridesmaid a number of times this year. He was pissed off at Knoxville when I talked to him, finishing, uh, I think, second or third, where he thought he had the truck to win. Um, and there's a lot of pressure for him too. You know, he, he wins a lot in the super late models. I think he won actually last week, uh, before Bristol in the super late models, but he, he gets the trucks and just like, you know, the pressure with, with driving for KBM and, and, you know, trying to help that program turn around. And then, but also at the same time, having been so close a number of times, hadn't won, hadn't won. People were wondering if he was ever going to win. And then to win at Bristol holding off, you know, obviously one of the hottest drivers in the series right now is Sheldon Creed. So it's gotta be a huge confidence booster. Uh, as a young man, you know, in, in his, in, you know, his attempt at running for a championship, but huge shout out to, to my boy, uh, Carson Hosevar. Uh, he's another young gun, you know, rookie, uh, of the year candidate, uh, running full time with Nice. He ran a few races last year, but, uh, really stepped up his game. And obviously he, uh, punched his way also to the round of eight. So, uh, pretty cool to have a couple young guns up in there as well as, you know, your, Sheldon Creed's and Stuart Friesen's that have been around for a while, for a little bit, but, uh, yeah. Or Matt really Crafton, cool. who's been around more than well, probably all of them combined. I don't want to call him old, but yeah, Matt <laughs> Crafton, don't ever call him old. If you ever talk to him, just 
He's, you know, 40-some years young. That's what you got to say. He's not old, but he's seasoned. Seasoned, yes, correct. So Sheldon Creed, John Hunter Nemechek, Matt Crafton, Chandler Smith, Stuart Friesen, Ben Rhodes, Carson Hosevar, and Zane Smith will move on to the round of eight, which begins Friday night in Las Vegas. And, Chris, you will be a part of that broadcast at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. You want to preview that race a little bit on Friday night, 9 o'clock, green flag here on the East Coast. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the first round of the round of eight. I think this uh, this is the round that usually we get a good idea of who's going to run for a championship. Uh, you know, it's a mile and a half racetrack. The trucks run pretty much flat out around Las Vegas. Um, we do race at night. Uh, it's a late one for y'all on the East Coast. But, you know, we start, I think, at six o'clock out there in Las Vegas. So the sun kind of starting to set. But uh, it's a good race. I mean, it'll come down to some strategy with 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 pit stops. I don't think we have a pit stop restriction like we did at Gateway and like we did at Knoxville as far as no live pit stops. I think we will have some uh, live pit stops, and, and we won't have any restrictions on that at Vegas. I think we did that last year too. So it uh, should be a good race. Yeah, tune in on MRN. It'll be uh, – obviously television will be on Fox, but um, we'll have a good call uh, of that race, and I think that'll be – a good indicator, especially if, if a Sheldon Creed or John Hunter Nemechek should win. I mean, I'd say that's my early, that that's the one I think is going to win the championship. Now call it, you know, pretty hardcore early there uh, on my part, but I I really think whoever wins Vegas, uh, if it's a championship contender has the upper hand uh, for the round of four uh, to, to win the championship in Phoenix. So so it's a big race, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Get to soak up some sun at the South Point. Uh, I got to thank Brendan Gani puts up all the NASCAR guys uh, at the South Point, which is uh, just south of the Strip. And um, good hotel, good pool. So we'll go hang out, maybe go on the Strip for a little bit Thursday night and then get ready for the race on Friday. Good deal. And if you were a betting man going into round two, which I will do some of that in Vegas, yes. Uh, kind of have to out there in Vegas. But oh, yeah. if you take Stuart, uh, Sheldon Creed and John Hunter Nemechek or the field, which one would you be betting on for the championship? Oh, for the championship? Oh, yeah. I'd take Sheldon Creed or John Hunter Nemechek. For Vegas itself, I don't know. You know, Sheldon didn't have that great of a race um, at, at, at Vegas. Uh, Austin Hill dominated uh, that race last year. Sheldon was kind of up there, but that GMS truck wasn't really up to performance of, of the Hattori guys last year. So maybe, you know, things have changed. Obviously, John Hunter wasn't in the series last year, but KBM didn't do a great job, obviously, all of last year. So really seeing where their trucks are at for Vegas, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, I, I mean, Sheldon, I think, could win. But I, as far as the championship, yeah, I would definitely bet Sheldon or John Hunter against the field for sure. I just their their maturation in the series is great. Obviously, Sheldon's won the championship, knows what he needs to do, and then John Hunter, I mean, he may be the most fired up driver in that truck series garage. Anytime you talk to him, it's all business. You know, he some may look as a step down for him. I think this was a rebirth of John Hunter Nemechek, and so certainly he's trying to prove that this year. And doing a good job of it. Let's go to Friday night and the Xfinity Series at Bristol. Justin Algar won stage number one. Daniel Hemrick won stage number two. And then really all heck broke loose at the uh, 
end of that race. Sam Mayer and Austin Cedric get into the wall while battling for the lead. Cedric pulls away. There's a caution with four laps to go. As Algaier and Sam Mayer get into it. Sam Mayer goes for a spin. And then the finish, the la- the green-white checker, unbelievable between A.J. Allmendinger. And let's see, you had Austin Cedric and was Algaier three wide there at the end of that race. And A.J. Allmendinger gets to win after getting tagged by, I believe it was Cedric. Uh, and they went sideways across the finish line. And A.J. Mm-hmm. Allmendinger uh, got the win and then got T-boned by his teammate, Justin Haley, after the checkered flag. But uh, A.J. Allmendinger got the win, but had to go to the infield care center. And it kind of reminded me of a finish like the 92 All-Star race with uh, 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 Davey Allison and Kyle Petty type of deal there or something like that, where or Dale Earnhardt and Terry Labonte at Bristol back in the day. Uh, but a wild finish to Xfinity race on Friday. Yeah, that kind of reminded me of the video game races I used to do as a kid yeah. uh, running at Bristol, just wrecking everybody at the checkered flag. I mean, it, it was all in good, good, good hard racing. You know, you can't say anybody did anything maliciously. Um, obviously, you know, Bristol, you're going to have contact and things like that. And if you're going for the win, you're going for the win. Now, the after stuff was just a product of the fact that Austin Sindrick and, and AJ, when they touched, kind of caused AJ to spin and then you know, once he's spinning, he can't help getting T-boned by the rest of the field. So like they said afterwards, you know, we apologize for wrecking half the field at the checkered flag. That was not our intention and certainly wasn't. Just kind of a pump, you know, as part of the circumstance of racing that hard for the win. But I thought it was fantastic. The fans were going nuts. And, um, yeah, you know, AJ's car didn't even make it to victory lane, but he still did with a big old smile. And I think he's having the most fun he's ever had in his career. It's really cool to see. And obviously now he's, he's certainly in a – going to be in contention, you know, obviously in the postseason, uh, but especially I I think, you know, this isn't the last win for him this year and he'll punch his ticket to the round of four. That's my opinion. I think he'll make it. Uh, That college team is, is on fire right now. Yeah. We'll go through the playoff field. Is that set the playoff field? Austin Sendrick, Myatt Snyder, AJ Allmendinger, Justin Algeier, Jeb Burton, Justin Haley, Daniel Hemrick, Harrison Burton, Noah Gregson, Riley Herbs, Brendan Jones, and Jeremy Clements have made the playoffs for the NASCAR Xfinity Series as it begins at Las Vegas. And uh, the odds-on favorite, I think you mentioned it, but the college racing trio of A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Haley, and Jeb Burton. Yeah, and that's, you know, like I said, big for that company. And obviously, Colleague's going to go cup racing next year full-time with Justin Haley. So uh, you want to end it on a good note as far as this year's championship run because Justin will move up next year. So to have all three in there just says a lot about what Matt Colleague, Chris Rice, and all of them have been able to do, um, you know, this year and really build their program up, you know, from just kind of trophy hunting on the super speedways to now trophy hunting and championship hunting for real, uh, being able to win at all different kinds of racetracks. So cannot wait to see that. That's a Saturday night race. Well, here on the East Coast, late afternoon Saturday in Las Vegas. I think it's a 7:30 green flag here on the East Coast, 4:30 local time on Saturday out there in Las Vegas. They do it late today because it's so doggone hot out there in Las Vegas right now. I think I saw the highs in the upper 90s here this week out there. Yep, gonna pack the sunscreen and the Under Armour cool T-shirts because yeah, it is gonna be a scorcher out there for sure luckily uh our polo shirts for mrn are blue and not black so that'll help uh cool away some of the heat but yeah it's it's a hot out there this time of year but you know what the hot track temperatures too will help 
the trucks, uh, Xfinity cars, as well as the cup cars kind of uh, navigate. And obviously we'll have some tire wear when it comes to hot and slick. So it, it makes for good racing, but certainly uncomfortable for drivers and fans alike. But you know what they say out there? It's a dry heat. Yeah, when you get when you get that hot, hot is hot. Yeah, you, know, you may not yeah. be you may not be glistening and sweat after thirty seconds, but breathing it's it's hot. It's it's like sticking your head in an oven. So that should be fun on uh, Saturday, the uh, Cup Series at Bristol on Sunday. Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick got into it there late in the race. Eric Amarola earlier in the race, uh, his uh, playoff hopes pretty much dashed when he had fluid coming out of the oil line. Uh, pretty much eliminating him, uh, but it came down to the end. Uh, Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott got together, had an argument on pit road. Kyle Larson goes on to get the win. So after a little bit of a dry stretch here, uh, Hendrick Motorsports gets back into victory lane, but uh, good little argument there on pit road between Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. But, uh, of course, that's Bristol. Yeah, well, that's what Dylan said after interviewing Harvard. It's Bristol, baby. I mean, that's that's you know a product of two champions going for a win, and it doesn't work out in their way. And one's going to see it one way, the other's going to see it the other. You know, Chase Elliott pointing fingers said Harvick drives me like this all the time, and blah blah blah. Harvick saying, "Oh, Chase Elliott throws a fit." You know, when I get into him a little bit because we're racing for the lead, it's not like it was lap two. You know, this was. This was for the win at Bristol. So, um, you know, whether you're a Harvick fan, Elliott fan, don't care. I mean, it's just you got to be happy with just the product of racing we had all over the weekend, but especially in the Cup Series. Hats off Kyle Larson. I mean, obviously we're seeing a, an immense talent and, you know, somebody continue just to rack up the wins, which is just insane uh, what his last two years have been like. But, yeah, I think the Harvick-Elliott situation just – you just need to kind of let boys have at it at that point because, it, you know, nobody did anything malicious, um, just a product of hard racing. But I, I love the passion. Uh, I read something today, too. You know, this is the first time we've seen Harvick this mad after a race uh, this year. And usually when Harvick gets mad, he gets good. So watch out, you know, especially uh, with him being in the playoffs, you know, watch out uh, for, for Vegas and, and moving forward because I think – uh, that four car could go on a run and finally get a win and then do some damage. So we'll see. And the four drivers eliminated after round one of the cup playoffs, Kurt Busch, Eric Amarola, Tyler Reddick, and Michael McDowell. I do want to ask you about this though. Dale Jarrett from NBC said, I think it was last weekend that he would love to see the championship race at Bristol. What do you <laughs> think about that? Oh man, wouldn't that be <laughs> that's too much of a crapshoot. Uh, you're asking for people to really get in a fight there. If you have four guys back for the championship, they will be wrecking each other. No questions asked. So maybe it's a little too much to ask from NASCAR, but that would be something else. That'd I mean, talk so about cool. a ratings ratings jump like you wouldn't believe. That'd be, and you know, I think the weather in Bristol would be about similar to what it is in March down there so you know i think True. it's doable so but that would be wild like you said it'd be almost like doing the final race at a daytona or talladega or something like that uh certainly a wild card so don't know if that'll happen but a great idea there by the nascar champion in dale jarrett we'll recap indycar real quick it was pretty much dominated by colton herda the herda is really good at laguna seca now four wins between colton and his dad brian out there 
He dominated the race uh, by a great charge by Romain Grosjean over the last 15 laps or so. Uh, just couldn't quite get to Colton Herta or Alex Pillow there, who finished one and two. Now Alex Pillow a 35-point lead, as we talked about earlier, going into the championship race at Long Beach. Yeah, I kind of want to ask you, like, who who are you thinking? Like, who's your pick if you're a bet man? So when I'm in Vegas and I'm betting on the IndyCar race, who am I betting on as the champion? I'd be hard pressed to go against uh, Alex Pillow right now with his last couple races and. Going to Long Beach now, 35-point lead. Uh, he's got to be the odds-on favorite. And like we talked about in the first segment, something's got to go catastrophically wrong for he and it's Ganassi Racing, too, for crying out loud. Yeah. So I was uh, going to say, yeah, they know how to win championships, obviously. So <laughs> Yeah, Tony Kanaan and Scott Dixon, and they have a seven-time NASCAR champion. They're stable now with Jimmy Johnson and – you know, this is the first time that 10 car has really been relevant since Dario Franchitti retired back in 2013 and before him, the late great Dan Weldon. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, I can't believe that stat. That's pretty interesting. But, uh, I mean, either way you look at it, I, I think ending the season at Long – I know next year we're going to end it at Laguna. Yeah, I'll be back at Laguna. At Long Beach is only the championship race because – of COVID earlier in this year got moved from right. its traditional April date to the end of the season. But I honestly think that this race will be good to where they may want to reevaluate next year, maybe moving Long Beach to the championship race. Cause I think while Laguna, I love, and I thought it produced a great race. I think Long Beach just adds a little bit more excitement just because you can't run people off the road like Roman did to Jimmy Johnson at, yeah. at, at Long Beach. So, well, I don't know. All in all, I'm so excited for this weekend. Uh, I think Long Beach will will prove to be a really great race, too. And so then, we, of course, we have IMSA coming up on Saturday at uh, Long Beach. It's the pre-ultimate race, right, for the prototypes and the third to last race for the GT cars. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Prototypes will race Long Beach and then they'll join, they'll be back uh, November at Petit Le Mans, which is the championship finale GT cars. So Le Mans and GTD, they will run at BIR as well next month before everybody, all five will culminate their seasons at Petit Le Mans. So you can't have five classes at Long Beach. It's not big enough, not wide enough. Uh, but certainly the speed differential between the prototypes and the GTLMs and GTDs is going to create uh, a lot of interesting moments in that race, especially if, you know, you look at the points, the 31 wheeling Cadillac and DPI is a mere 98 points, which sounds like a lot, but that's the difference between first and fourth on a weekend. You know, they're 98 points behind the Acura, Conica uh, Minolta, Wayne Taylor Racing, uh, Ricky Taylor uh, DPI. Those two, if they're around each other on the racetrack, they're going to race each other real hard. And if you throw in some slower traffic in the way, it's going to make for some hairy situations. So I'm excited to see it. Um, and then the GTD championship in itself too, the, the, the third class, uh, it's 27 points uh, with the FAF Porsche winning back-to-back uh, -back races at Road America. And then uh, a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago at Laguna. So uh, yeah, it'll be exciting. I think, you know, when we leave this race, usually uh, it's, the well normally it's usually in the spring we leave long beach it's usually the second to last race so things kind of switched around due to covid and scheduling but when we leave this week i think we'll have a really good idea especially on the prototypes kind of uh who the championship favorite's going to be obviously petite's a 10-hour enduro so i mean that changes everything because it's more of a 
a, a battle of attrition than it is a sprint. Um, but for GT, I think you need to set yourself up to have a chance at VIR to, to put yourself in points contention. You can't, you can't let one slip away. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to watch and uh, happy to be part of it. Yeah, it should be good. So the TV schedule this weekend, the trucks at nine o'clock on Friday night on FS1, of course, on MRN as well. Saturday, I believe it begins with Imps at five o'clock on NBCSN leading into the NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Las Vegas on NBCSN at 7.30, and then Sunday at 7 on NBCSN as well, the NASCAR Cup Series. So a lot of racing. Uh, the final weekend for oh IndyCar, 3 o'clock on NBC on Sunday as well from Long Beach, the championship race. So uh, this is really the last big, busy weekend of racing for 2021. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I feel like, you know, we should almost be past halfway and not near the end of the season. So I can't believe how quickly time's gone by. But, you know, it's it's exciting in, in all three major series, uh, as well as their their counterparts. And obviously uh, on the short track side of things, too, I think we've got some really good races coming up. So, you know, September, we don't take our foot off the gas pedal just yet. Uh, for some of us, you know, things are slowing down a little bit, but uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet, so I'm excited to see what happens. The temperatures are going down, starting to feel like fall, which is nice, uh, especially for our neck of the woods where it was so stinking hot for so long. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a good time of year, and this kind of is my favorite time of year because you know you kind of feel that intensity, you kind of feel the anticipation a lot more than you know maybe in June or July. So really excited, man! Really to watch some uh, good racing on TV, on my phone, on my laptop, and then obviously in person. So I'm pumped. And added to that, one of my favorite sporting events in golf is going on this weekend, the Ryder Cup uh, from oh, yeah. wrestling straights in Wisconsin, United States, and Europe, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Golf Channel and NBC as well. So got to try to balance all of that here this weekend. Of course, uh, that big event just east of us at Rossburg, Ohio, at Eldora, that four crown nationals as well, the other big event in racing going on this weekend. Is there much going on in your neck of the woods uh, as far as the local short tracks? Uh, Millbridge Speedway got rained out today, but they're supposed to run a big micro race. Well, big, uh, one of their big weekly shows uh, tomorrow, but they're calling for thunderstorms. So it's not looking good, but uh, cars tours off till the 2nd of October, big race at Florence, which is just down the road in South Carolina. So they're kind of gearing up for that. Nothing going on down there. Hickory's off as well. They got a big demolition deal. Uh, next weekend, uh, but Millbridge is gearing up though to kind of close their year in a big way next month. Uh, release the details for the Carolina Midget Showdown, bringing midgets back to uh, the fast six mile clay oval in Salisbury, North Carolina. Going to be a part of that as well. They're going to uh, do micros as well as uh, some of their carding uh, classifications as well, but they're going to bring uh, midgets down. I know a host of, of guys like Chase Briscoe, Larson, they'll be back running in it. Uh, that's on October 25th, so they just kind of released the big uh, weekend for that because on the 26th, they're going to do uh, kind of the micro version. So you have two days of midgets, but the second day will be the big micro payday. Uh, I think they've got a few thousand dollars raised up already. Ashley and Jeremy Burnett do a great job of kind of promoting that track. So Millbridge is, is uh, gearing up for a big month of October, but still running their weekly deals. Uh, but other than that, just kind of gearing up for, for, for the push uh, uh, toward the end of the year. You know, I think championships weekly are kind of being decided. 
a little bit. I know the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour is making their big uh, season finale. I think it's this weekend at Stafford. Uh, I'll have to text Kyle Ricky and make sure that's correct. But, yeah, I believe it's this weekend at Stafford. And then, obviously, there's a big race at Martinsville, and it's not NASCAR. It's the Valley yeah. Star 300. Uh, biggest late model race in the country. Uh, was postponed last year due to COVID. Uh, that'll be on MRN as well this weekend. Um, so that'll be fine. I think Hannah's gonna gonna be a part of that broadcast. A few of our other uh, Alex um, Alex Hayden, who we had on a few weeks ago uh, on our podcast, will be part of it as well. He's not going to Vegas, so uh, yeah, that's a big big event uh, for for short track late model racing. A lot of guys who uh, got their start uh, won that race or did really well. So it's a kind of a who's who of late model racing at Martinsville, and they get to bang fenders uh, for 300 laps. So pretty awesome race. Uh, we'll be tuned into that one as well. So that's kind of what's going on in these neck of the woods. And I think a lot of those guys will be up here at Winchester Speedway next month as well for the Winchester 400, the race I've kind of yeah. always wanted to check out on October the 17th. And did I see a video from Millbridge involving a like either go-karts or quarter midgets on a dirt road course that they built down <laughs> there in that racetrack? Yeah, so on Mondays, they usually host, not every Monday, but a good chunk of the Mondays during the year, they host a DNQ karting, which is uh, like flat carts. Uh, but it's just a fun, good time. Some people in the industry, I know Joey Gase, uh, NASCAR Cup driver, uh, fields a couple carts. But it's just a good time. They run ovals. They drink beer afterwards. But they decided, <laughs> they decide one, they decide once a year to do a dirt road course. And so Jeremy builds a dirt road course, kind of like almost the Daytona road course. It looks like a Roval. It does kind of like the Charlotte Roval meets Daytona Rolex road course, but with dirt. So we use like turn four front straightaway, but then as soon as you cross the start finish line, you dive into a little infield section. It goes up on the banking and turns two down the back straightaway, a little divot. So uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. I didn't get to go a buddy of mine, Hunter uh, Smith, who runs pit stop for, performance or fit stop performance uh trains a lot of the drivers down here he ran it uh, for joey gase and said it was a lot of fun so yeah they they do do that which is pretty cool i think that was a video i saw maybe from kyle ricky who posted that uh i can't remember for 100 percent sure i just well if he uh, did i'm gonna be okay. mad because i told him to text me if he came down here and he didn't so i don't think he was down don't here. He don't, was don't i was gonna say i'm not 100 percent sure on that but uh i saw that from somebody Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> but uh, good deal. Busy weekend, uh, Chris. Safe travels out west to Vegas and to Long Beach. Look forward to hearing about those next week. And uh, we'll get a better picture of the IMSA championship battle with a couple races to go for GT and the finale for the prototypes still to go after Long Beach. IndyCar will have a champion next weekend. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, NASCAR as round two gets underway for the cup series and the truck series round one for the Xfinity series, the four, four crown nationals out at Eldora. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, Chris should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it, man. Enjoy your weekend of racing. Thank you. We'll do so. Thanks for listening tonight. Thanks to race review online's Eric Smith for joining us tonight as well. For Chris Wilner in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'm Brad Huber here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the racing, and we'll talk to you next week on the Racing Hubs Pit Report.